she, Shana, the Jungle Queen. Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and this is Shana Showcase, a podcast feature in which I index, recap, and comment on the significant appearances of Marvel Comics' greatest Jungle Queen, Shanna the She-Devil. When beginning this feature, I focused as much as I could on Shanna's solo appearances, which were more frequent in the character's early days. But once she became involved with her oafish spouse, Khazar, Lord of the Savage Lands, Shanna's solo outings grew fewer and farther between. Case in point, the last issue I covered here, Shanna's team up with Wolverine, Namor, and yes, Khazar, in 1993's Wolverine Global Jeopardy. And speaking of Namor, in uh, Shanna's chronology, I have purposely skipped her mostly Khazar-free string of guest appearances in John Byrne's Namor series. I've read those stories only once, and there seems to be a lot going on there involving characters like Misty Knight, Iron Fist, Mystery Villain... A lot of this is a little further afield than the limits of my meager Marvel expertise, so I'm going to hold off on those for the time being. I might revisit this string of issues at some point, but I likely need some help with those. This time out, I'll be mentioning just very briefly a couple of other fairly high-profile places where Shanna could be found throughout the late 90s. Uh, before settling into some more formal recap of her guest-starring appearance with Wolverine in the pages of X-Men Unlimited, number 48, cover dated July 2003. So Kazar, and by association Shanna and Zabu the Sabertooth Tiger, got a push in 1997 in the lead-up to a new solo series by Mark Wade and Andy Kubert. First with a one-shot special by Chuck Dixon and Frank Tehran, and also in a three-part story from Sensational Spider-Man, numbers 13 through 15. In a bit of bad research practice, I have yet to pick up the Chuck Dixon special, uh, but I do have the slim trade collection of the Sensational Spider-Man story, and it's a pleasant enough tale of Peter Parker getting a Daily Bugle assignment to photograph the Savage Land, and they're running into Khazar, Shanna, the Incredible Hulk, and of course Trouble in the middle of Antarctica. Shanna isn't really given anything interesting to do in this story, though it does debut her new costume in time for the new Khazar series. Well, we civilized sort would call it a costume. She would just call it clothes. Gone is the leopard pelt bikini in favor of a torn leather two-piece, large arm bracers, and a new long leather-wrapped braid in her hair. These issues of Sensational Spider-Man are by no means essential reading. If anything, I'd pick this story up for the outstanding pencils of the late Mike Waringo uh, with inks by Richard Case. These two artists make a, a great team. Shanna is given something interesting to do in the 1997 Khazar series, which ran for 20 issues, an annual, and a minus one. This was written, for the most part, by Mark Wade, penciled, for the most part, by Andy Kubert, and inked, for the most part, by Jesse Delperdang. And in this series, Lord Kevin Plunder is undeniably the title's star, but Shanna is at the very least a series co-star, and was featured quite heavily above a stable of strong supporting characters, including the ever-present Zabu, 
Zira, the warrior nanny, and villains, the plunderer, high evolutionary, and of all beings, Thanos. More than just a caretaker for her and Khazar's young son, in fact, most of the child rearing seems to be left to Zira, Shanna accompanies a suddenly tech-curious Khazar to New York at the series' outset to investigate an attempt on their life. And when the pair is pulled back to the Savage Land by the machinations of Kevin's dastardly brother Parnival, in service to the death-obsessed cosmic being Thanos, Shanna's right there on the front lines. In preventing the destruction of the Antarctic Utopia by that arc's end, Shanna's bathed in the energy of the Savage Land's life-sustaining terraformer and begins to exhibit a strange affinity for the natural processes at work in the Savage Land. The people of the Savage Land begin to turn to Shanna as opposed to Khazar for advice and protection. This to the jungle lord's chagrin. And this manifestation of supernatural power brings Shanna to the attention of the High Evolutionary. The Evolutionary develops an almost desperate fascination with Shanna. He sees her not only as an object of desire, but also as a possible source of salvation. The readers have no idea how deeply the Evolutionary's obsession with his work has taken him, or the price he's forced to pay for it until an ironic twist is revealed in the final issue of Wade and Kubert's run final six issues of the series kind of lose their way. The creative team isn't consistent, and in a span of six issues, that's usually not a good sign of a title's health. But despite the series going out with a whimper, I really feel like Mark Wade belongs on the list of writers, including Bruce Jones and Steve Gerber, who, who get Shanna. The moments of almost fierce independence, the sharp wit, and the deep-set desire to reject the modern world, and favor of a life of wild abandon. These were all present in Shanna in this series. And I don't think Andy Kubert's pencils have ever looked better than when paired with Jesse Delperdang's inks. They were a great art team on this great-looking series. The Wade Kubert run of Kazar is collected in two trade paperbacks, but the single issues wouldn't give you too much trouble if that's the route you wanted to take. Uh, and either way, I'd recommend picking at least this part of the series up. Okay, next up I'll be having a look at Shanna's first significant appearance of the OOs, the Aughts, in X-Men Unlimited number 48. Unlimited was a title that began publication in 1993 as an extra-sized quarterly. Kind of stood apart from the plethora of other X-books in that the stories were generally self-contained and didn't tie in directly with the dense continuity you'd find in X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, X-Force, X-Factor, etc. By issue 48, and this series only lasted 50 issues, Unlimited was a monthly anthology title, two stories an issue, meaning the series was a showcase for a pretty wide variety of talent to tell relatively strings-free X-Men stories. Talent involved in the 
titleless Wolverine Shanna story that opens this issue consists of writer Bruce Jones, no stranger to Shanna, having written most of the very decent Khazar the Savage series from the early 80s, in which Shanna played a, a big role. And Jones also wrote and drew an excellent one-off Shanna short in a 1989 issue of Marvel Comics Presents. I touched on both of these in Shanna Showcase number 11 from a couple years ago. The artwork in this unlimited story is fully painted by Richard Isanove, an artist who has dozens of credits, but the only other example I can find in my collection is, a, is as cover colorist on an issue of Grant Morrison's JLA, so I don't really know a lot about this artist's work. Rounding out the credits for this unlimited story are Randy Gentile on letters, Paolo Rivera on cover painting, and Stephanie Moore and C.B. Sabelski do the editing. So one of the things about X-Men Unlimited being able to tell stories free from current continuity and crossover event participation is that the creative teams could tell untold tale type stories from the past of individual X-Men. And in this case, Bruce Jones and Richard Isanove tell the story of Wolverine and Shanna's first meeting. The story opens with Logan being called to the Savage Land by a scientist friend, Dr. McKenzie, to help investigate a strange plague running rampant through the wildlife there. Wolverine is asked on, specifically to track a particular specimen of Velociraptor, which the doctor thinks may be responsible for spreading the disease. Mackenzie isn't necessarily interested in killing the creature, but he does require a sample of the dinosaur's blood in order to run a few tests. The doctor is so busy with his field lab that he asks Logan to introduce himself to the trained ecologist he's been paired with to help guide him through this mission. He opens the flap to a nearby tent and is immediately pounced upon by a white wolf. Logan instinctively goes all snicked, but before he can do the wolf any harm, Shanna O'Hara introduces herself with a few bars of sweet chin music. Shanna's powerful kick, which has felled all manner of wildlife, mandrills, black widows, and now wolverines, connects with Logan's face and he's sent reeling. Without blinking, Shanna introduces Logan to Sheba, the dire wolf, who she claims has saved her life on many occasions, and is apparently just the latest in a line of animal companions she's had, going back to leopards Ina and Beery from her earliest appearances. Dr. McKenzie arrives on the scene to smooth out introductions, something he probably should have taken care of from the beginning though he's visibly having trouble controlling his own dog, who seems hell-bent on attacking Sheba, the wolf. Shanna is curt, though, claiming the, to at least know of Logan, calling him with her notorious sharp sarcasm, badger, muskrat, whatever. She wants to get a move on. Time's wasting. So, setting out to track the raptor, Logan tries to tries to make small talk. He asks the whereabouts of Mr. Shanna, which is how I generally think of Khazar. Actually, I refer to him more as Mr. the She-Devil. Now, considering the number of times the X-Men have visited the Savage Land, this timeline doesn't seem quite right. I find it hard to believe Shanna and Wolverine hadn't met 
prior to her and Kazar's wedding. She specifically refers to him here as husband. Uh, but this is a minor quibble and doesn't or shouldn't affect our enjoyment of the story. Shanna plays coy anyway when she explains her husband's in New York, despite Wolverine detecting the distinct odor of a marital spat. Logan and Shanna, with Sheba in tow, they bicker incessantly along their quest and are suddenly attacked by a couple of dinosaurs, neither the one that they're looking for, and they deal with the threat in their own individual way. Shanna, ever the activist, strives to preserve life, while Wolverine doesn't think twice about taking life. He sees killing as a necessity in some situations. Situations like lunch. They stop to chow down on another small dinosaur that they cook over a fire. And over their meal, Wolverine catches a whiff of their prey, this elusive new breed of velociraptor. And they find it alone in a little clearing. But Sheba, the wolf, startles it and the raptor attacks. Despite Shanna's protestations, Logan's berserker rage takes over and he kills the dinosaur. And though I don't know how Shanna expected to take the raptor alive for testing, she rushes over and gives Wolverine quite the tongue lashing using words like idiot, reckless, unconscionable, and stupidity. This doesn't seem to do anything but turn Logan on, and he pulls Shanna in and steals a smooch, but she immediately pushes away, telling him she'll kill him if he tries anything like that again. Claiming a simple slap would have sufficed, Logan walks away to the sound of Sheba's growl. A short time later, Shanna finishes analyzing the raptor's blood under a microscope, pulled seemingly from a till-now-unseen backpack, neither her nor Wolverine could have hidden this device in their respective outfits, and I didn't see Sheba carrying it around. Sadly, though, Shanna's observations rule out the raptor's blood as the cause of the plague, which causes her to attack Wolverine again for his earlier actions. Logan senses that there's something bothering Shanna, causing her to react the way she has, and offers that maybe his theory of a rift between her and Kazar holds water. And the fact that she gets so defensive about it should make us think that Logan might be right. When they report back to camp, they find Dr. McKenzie keeled over, not dead, but the latest victim of the plague. When Shanna sees to the doctor's comfort, Wolverine has his hands full, trying to keep Sheba and McKenzie's dog, Bingo, away from one another, the two canines still apparently desperate to get each other's throats. Shanna compares this disease to the Black Plague before suddenly collapsing with, with the infection herself. She's prepared to give Kazar a final message through Logan, but he insists she'll be fine. As Wolverine attempts to separate Bingo and Sheba, he thinks through the situation thus far. Comes to the realization that the dogs aren't attempting to fight, they're desperate to mate. Sheba's in heat. And with that realization, coupled with Shanna's mention of the Black Plague, he begins to put things together. He rushes to the microscope and gets confirmation for his new theory. Through the lens, Logan sees a flea. 24 hours later, 
with Shanna apparently completely recovered, Logan fills in the gaps. In the camp, he noticed that only he, due to his healing factor, and the dogs were immune to the sickness. And thinking back to his history books, Logan recalled that the Black Plague, brought to mind with Shanna's comment, was spread by the fleas on rats. So, Wolverine's thinking goes, Bingo brought one type of flea from the United States to the Savage Land, which bred with the Savage Land's own parasite. And together they produced a new strain of mutant disease-carrying bloodsucker. The dogs, being the original carriers in the flea family tree, also carried an immunity to the disease. So Logan, off-panel, drew blood from Sheba and injected it into Shanna and the Doc, giving them an instant immunity boost. Yay, science! Fiction. Shanna escorts Wolverine through the Antarctic to his helicopter ride home, and this gives the pair an opportunity to clear the air. Shanna admits that her marriage has hit a little rough patch and that it may have affected her work and her attitude toward Logan, so she apologizes. Wolverine suggests that she reach out to Kazar, patch things up. But just before Wolvie can board his copter right out of there, Shanna says she has one more thing to say. Slap! She whacks him across the face, the slap he was due for the unwanted advance earlier. Logan rubs his face at the point of impact and claims, Now that's the old Shanna I heard about. And in the last panel, Shanna watches the copter leave the Savage Land far behind. So there we have it, the first 14 pages of X-Men Unlimited number 48. Not sure I get all the science behind the plague and its cure, but it really doesn't matter. This is a character piece, and that's where this story succeeds. The bickering back and forth between Logan and Shanna, the contrast in their methods, and the potential birth of a, of a friendship. Bruce Jones fleshes his characters out through the snappy dialogue and certain sequences as acid and rapid fire as an old Hollywood screwball comedy. His characterization was, as expected, consistent with earlier portrayals of Shanna. It was nice to see her scientific background featured. I always think her best stories show her to be more than just a stuffed leopard bikini. And Richard Isanove's painted art complements the script quite well characters' faces are quite expressive and might remind me a little bit of Sean McManus's work, and that is totally meant as a compliment. I really like the effect Isanove uses of exposed canvas texture in the backgrounds of each panel. It really separates the characters and pushes them to the fore. I'm not sure if this is an actual painterly technique or a digital filter, but either way, it gives the story a, a very cool look. This issue of X-Men Unlimited has been collected in a trade paperback called X-Men Legends, Volume 4. I've never seen this book, and I can't find reference to which story this, or the Mystique story that I've never cared to read from this issue. Uh, maybe both are collected in this trade paperback, but this comic is still a minimum price book at mycomicshop.com, so I'm sure it can be found out and about without much trouble and at a pretty inexpensive price. Uh, but I'd recommend doing so. I'll put some images from this story up on the blog, itgblogcast.blogspot.com. There you will find my contact info, should you have anything to add about the story. 
or this series. I want to thank you for listening, and until next time, see you on the savannah.